And uh, we're glad you're here this morning. If you're worshiping uh, with us at home, we know we have uh, people from all different parts of the United States. So we just want to welcome you to uh, our, our time of worship on this uh, Resurrection Sunday. So our teaching uh, this morning comes out of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It's a pretty familiar text, but um, really speaks to the heart of the gospel. And so let's, let's pray together. We'll read our text. And then I want to suggest four things to you out of the text, four uh, freedoms that come out of the resurrection for, for us as believers in Jesus Christ. And I think that when we examine these four things, it's, it's going to equip us to live life in a way that, that is uh, full of joy, uh, appropriating uh, the hope that we have in Christ, and, and giving us uh, a sense of, of God's presence and purpose in our life. And so we're going to read our verses, and I'm going to talk about those four things. We just pray uh, that the Lord ministers to our hearts this morning. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this morning, and we worship you on this Resurrection Sunday. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that you'd speak to my heart this morning as, as we read your word, and Lord, that you would equip us, Lord, to fully uh, step into all that, all, that, all that you've destined us to be, that we could step into our true identity as Christians, and that's found in Jesus Christ, our resurrected Lord and Savior. So 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1, says, Now I re- would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preach to you, which you have received and which you stand and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. And Paul had this way of of encouraging people uh, by saying really kind of pointed words to them. But we know the Apostle Paul's heart in speaking to the people is that he challenged them, but he knew that they were holding steadfast to the faith just like you are. And so Paul puts this challenge to them He reminds them to keep on standing firm in the faith. And then he gives us the gospel message. It's the reason why we're here. It's the reason we're watching at home and celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In verse 3, he says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried that he was raised on the third day, say amen, amen, in accordance with the scriptures, and then he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Come with me to verse 17. And if Christ has not been raised, Paul does these rhetorical questions. He's going to answer them. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. He's going to, he's going to deliver the goods in a minute. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. And finally, we get to verse 20 and that great connective which is a simple three-letter word, Paul says what? But, but, but in fact, Christ 
Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. Look at verse 24. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom of God, the Father, after destroying every rule and every authority and power, for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. And finally, verse 26, the last enemy to be destroyed is what? Is death. Now, when we look at these, these scriptures, there's four different things that can really help us to live life in a way that is full of joy today. There's four things that, that if we hide them in our heart, as when, when life tends to come as a wave over us, and we tend to maybe get swamped by life. If Nancy and I, we do a lot of kayaking in the ocean, and, and sometimes these big boats come by, and the wave comes, and it just buries you. And sometimes that's what life looks like. It just, it just swamps you. But you know, the Lord is resurrected. He's, he's our risen king. He's our soon coming king. And I think the first thing that we should know as Christians from looking at the text is that our sins are forgiven. We are, we are no longer live in our sins, but we live in Christ. Matter of fact, Paul has a way of expressing that in Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 through 15. Paul expresses it this way. And you who were dead in your trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. He set it aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to shame by triumphing over them through not only his death, but he triumphed over them and he leads, leads us in triumphal procession because of his resurrection from the dead. Why is it important to know that your sins are being forgiven or your sins are forgiven and, and your new life is in Christ? Why is that important? Because there's things that lurk in all of our hearts. There's things that were spoken over us as, a, as perhaps a young child that are they're just not true. The things that have happened to us in life that have disappointed us and, and still impact us today. Those things are called shame, fear, and guilt. Matter of fact, I was raised on a steady diet of all three of those. They were kind of like the trinity to motivate young people in my day. Fear, shame, and guilt. All those things... Jesus took to the cross. We have no shame because we have been adopted. We have no guilt because we have been forgiven. We have no fear because we have someone that has loved us and has given his life so that we could have eternal life. That's my Jesus. You know, you might say, well, what are these things? Well, fear is that, that place as a kiddo that you might have experienced, you know, that sudden that sudden fright of, of losing someone you loved, uh, losing the affection of mom and dad. You know, Jesus has done away with that because he has placed the lonely in families and he has placed you and I in the beloved. He's our beloved. 
might say, well, what is, what is guilt? Guilt is, man, I've done something bad that can't be forgiven. I've felt that way. I can never be forgiven. I'm just a dirty old sinner. But you know what my Bible tells me? That Jesus specializes in bringing redemption. Jesus specializes in bringing forgiveness. Do you remember the woman at the well that we looked at? Jesus specializes in bringing forgiveness and compassion to those that say, Oh, Lord, can you cleanse me? And Jesus' answer to that is, I sure can. So guilt is I've done wrong. It can never be made right. Shame is I'm just a lousy person. I'm just not worth anything. Some people grow up and they've had bad things done to them in life and, and they never feel worthy. They could be in the most loving relationship, but they always have a doubt. Uh, they always have a doubt in their mind. I'm, I'm just not good enough. Jesus, Jesus took all of that and nailed it to the cross. And his resurrection is stamped with payment in full. Romans 4.25, we are justified and pronounced not guilty by what? By the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The Father says, it's paid in full. My boy done the job. And I raised him from the dead so that we, you and I, as believers in Jesus Christ, could walk this life without shame, without guilt, and without fear. Know that your, that your sins are forgiven. Second thing that we can glean from this text is that Christ's payment for sin is sufficient. I've already mentioned that out of Romans 4.25. But when Paul uh, mentions first fruits, is that Jesus has come and he's the first fruits that, that's all to come. The day after Jesus died, the, t- the temple, the priest in the temple received, received a sheaf of wheat or a sheaf of barley. This happened on Resurrection Sunday. And they took that sheaf of barley it's called first fruits. It was the beginning. It's the first, first part of the harvest. And they took that and they waved it before the Lord, signifying their thanksgiving and their expectation for complete, for a complete harvest. That first fruits that Paul mentioned, that's fulfilled in Jesus Christ, is that he's come so that we could have assurance not only in his first coming, but from when? but for his second coming. And because of that, we, because of Christ's payment, we are free from judgment and condemnation. We don't have to be afraid of going before the Lord. Now, you might wonder, you say, well, I know we're going to go before the Lord, Conway, but, but I, you know, I haven't done all right. Well, you know, there's two judgment seats. There's one in 2 Corinthians 5.10, there's one in Revelation 20, 11 through 15. The 2 Corinthians 5, 10 one is called the Bema Seat of Christ. And it's not for judgment. It res- it's reserved for believers. It's reserved for people that have been forgiven of their sins, that they don't need to pay the price for anything. And at the Bema Seat, it's about rewards. It's about what, what Christ is going to bless you with and reward you with because your sins have been forgiven. There's no more judgment for your sin. Your judgment... Was, t- was taken by Jesus Christ 
at the cross and you are free from judgment and you're free from condemnation unless you're not a believer. That's the other one. That's the great white throne judgment. That's where the people are tossed into the lake of fire. But for you and I, for believers in Jesus Christ who have come to faith in him, there's, there's no fear of judgment and there's no fear of condemnation. Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says what? Therefore, based upon all of the language Paul gave coming to faith by Christ, based upon all of that, therefore, there is what? Now, no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus our Lord. None. Yet these things, shame, fear, guilt, fear of judgment, fear of rejection, these are the things that these are the things that cripple us in life. These are the things that, that stop us from stepping into our destiny in Jesus Christ. These are the things that the enemy uses, you know, in that little, that little voice you have in your head. Anybody have one of those? It's like having a roommate who won't shut up. Just constant, constant chatter, 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 chatter. I call that little voice in my head, I call him Edward. Because he doesn't, he doesn't know boundaries at all. And he's always chattering. And you know what he's always bringing? He's bringing a little shame. Bringing a little guilt. Bringing a little, you know, sense in my heart that, well, I'm not really accepted. I'm not really God's beloved. All that is from the enemy. And all that is what Jesus took to the cross. And all that in his resurrection is he's set us free by the, by the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit in our heart. There's a couple other things that freedoms that Christ has given us. It says in 1522, for as in Adam all die, so in Christ all shall be made what? All shall be made alive. There's no need to fear death, folks, because Christ is our first fruits. He's our, he's our elder brother. He's showed us the way forward. He has given us this confidence that he spoke to Martha. He said, to, he said, he said this to Martha, uh, that I am, what? The resurrection and the life, and although you may die, you, 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 you are not going to die. You're going to live with me forever. And he said, to Martha, Martha, do you believe this? Do you believe it, saints? Because when you remove the fear of death, you begin to live life. When you remove that sense of fear that can grip your heart, when you, when you have a confidence that God is with you and for you, will never leave you, never forsake you, neither, as Romans 8 says towards the end of the chapter, neither height nor debt, Death, nor things present, nor things to come, can ever do what? Ever, ever separate us from the love that we have in Christ Jesus our Lord. Last thing that we see, the fourth thing that we can glean from is, our, is that Christ is our victory. And no power of hell, no power of evil can keep us from the inheritance that we have in Jesus Christ. He says in uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 12, says, then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God, the Father, 
after destroying every rule and every authority and every power. And that is our identity in Jesus Christ. Our, our resurrected, victorious King and Lord, our victorious King and our soon coming Lord and Savior. And so, friends, here's the, here's the resurrection message. Step into who we are in Christ. That's it. Believe what Christ has told us to be true, that our sins are forgiven. There's no need of shame, no need of guilt, because Jesus has paid the price. And no enemy, no thing this side of heaven can ever separate us from his love. When we put those things in our heart, it frees us, unchains us from things in our past, things that were done to us, uh, unwarranted transgressions over our personhood. It frees us from those things. The disappointments that wash over your, your kayak, that swamp you, it, it frees us from those things. Because we come to the place, we'll close with this, Romans chapter 8. We come to this place. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him, hear this, graciously give us all things. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword. As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, Paul says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. That's how I resurrected Jesus. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Is that your resurrected Savior? That's my resurrected Savior. Nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God no shame, no guilt, no rejection, no transgression against us because our identity is only found in one person. Our identity is found in our resurrected Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is risen. Amen. Let's prepare our hearts to receive the Lord's table this morning.